Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our fans and listeners, especially those who took the time to write us a review. This one comes from Carla Fab 101 titled Inspiration to Thrive. She says, listening to these stories of others surviving and thriving is such an inspiration. If you want to find hope, and hope is never a bad idea, listen to this podcast regularly. Carla Fab 101, thank you so much for your five-star rating and review. We really appreciate you. Bill Potts is a five-time cancer survivor. He is turning his cancer pain into purpose and has written a book to help others in their cancer journey so others can learn from his mistakes. He provides practical advice on managing the journey for patients and their families. Bill, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. Andrea, thank you. And thank you for what you do for the cancer community. You do great work. Thank you so much. Five times. Wow. Can you Mm -hmm. take us back to the very, very, very beginning? When was that? How did it start? Yeah, great question. 2002. I went to my primary care physician. He looked at me and said, there's something on your thyroid. We need to get it checked. So we did. That turned out to be cancer number one, which was thyroid cancer. Got uh, radiation treatment, the same radiation you get from Chernobyl. So that one lit me up pretty good. And they actually recommended about six months later, this local oncologist I was working with recommended I get treatment again. And that's kind of when I put the brakes on and uh, moved to uh, MD Anderson because that didn't add up. And so uh, we avoided uh, second treatment. And then in 2008, I went in after a trip to Europe. I went to the doctor for a lump uh, below my right ear, had that biopsied, and that turned out to be lymphoma number one. And then uh, lymphoma number two was 2014, lymphoma number three. Uh, 2019 lymphoma number four and prostate cancer uh, 2020. So I've had six different cancers, five times uh, surviving the prostate cancer. We're kind of sitting and Oh my goodness. On. Okay. We got to back up. <laughs> we got to back up. Uh, so let's go back to the beginning. 20 years ago, the thyroid cancer. I actually had Graves mm-hmm. disease. So I have had that mm. oh so fun radiation. It's actually, I believe it's the exact same radiation. Mm. And um yes. but I had a goiter the size of a tennis ball. Now now I was in my mm. early twenties and I thought it, my neck was just getting fat. Truly, that's what I thought. Did you notice anything on your mm. neck? Did you have any symptoms at all? No symptoms, didn't notice anything. The keen eye of the of the PCP really identified it. So just went in for those checkups that my wife makes me go in for occasionally. And uh, yeah, he saw it. Wow. It and I'm curious just because I know the radiation you had, did they tell you that you couldn't be around children or other people for three or four days? <laughs> 
Yeah, it was uh, frustrating. I was in the hospital for two or three days and I got the Geiger counter to see if I could leave. And finally, it was uh, not beeping enough where I could go. Yeah, it was a little bit of a challenge. I had three young kids uh, and I uh, had to go watch their ball games. I actually stayed away from them for a week or two just to be extra careful because they were little. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was a challenging time. I don't know how you were, but I lost my sense of taste. Uh, from that treatment and uh, so Permanently? anyway you lost it was uh, no I, I lost it for maybe a couple weeks and then it came back I don't remember losing my sense of taste but maybe because I didn't have health insurance they didn't put me in the hospital they sent me home oh yeah I was they isolated me, they sent me home and said oh, wow. don't leave your apartment for 72 hours that's what they told me <laughs> okay yeah I you know I, I would have rather been in, at home but uh, I was in this corner of this hospital that they wouldn't even come in. They would slide the food underneath the door. It was interesting. When I left, they right. threw away everything, anything I'd worn, anything because I'd touched. Because they say it can come out crazy. through your sweat, the radiation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. Yes. So yeah. six months later, why did they want to do radiation again? And, and you said you went to MD Anderson. So where were you going before? Kind of walk me through that. Yeah. Yeah, so I was living okay. in Houston at the time. Uh, did a did a follow up scan at the six months, a little after six months, and uh, they noticed something on the scan, and they're like, "We think you have your thyroid cancer back." And I'm like, "That's impossible because I exactly. don't have a thyroid, and I went through this radiation." And so uh, they're like, "Yeah, we think you need to do some more treatment." And I'm like, mm, "Just not adding up." So uh, MD Anderson is in Houston, so leveraged uh, some relationships I had and got in there pretty quickly. And they're like, no, you don't have thyroid cancer back. Uh, so don't worry about it. You're, we'll, we'll adjust your medications and we'll handle you. So yeah, it was kind of the eye-opening. I uh, Kind of the first, the first real big issue I had, which uh, you know, made me realize that I have to own my own cancer journey. I just can't be listening to what everybody's yeah. telling me. In particular, in that case, the, yeah. the, those doctors. Oh, gosh, I agree 100%. So do you have any idea what they thought they saw in the scan? I mean, I looked at the scan. It was a little dot. I mean, it, it, I have, I have, it, it definitely was not uh, cancer, and, and, and it was so small as to be ridiculously small. So it felt like uh, a play for uh, treatment when I didn't need it, a for-profit, uh, you know, local oh oncologist. Gosh, really? Oh God, that's terrible. I'm so mm. sorry. So you get through that. Now you, are you going to MD Anderson in terms of just routine cancer follow-up, that sort of thing? Is that your go-to? Uh, it was my go-to uh, for the thyroid. So then they start managing my medications and things like that. But then they kind of moved me out. I was I was basically cured at that point and wound up moving to St. Petersburg, Florida, which is where we okay. live now. Uh, we and and so uh, it was in 2008. I'd come back from Europe from a business trip, and I noticed this lump below my ear, and I went to the, my my PCP here, and then he sent me to a ENT guy and. They said, it's probably no big deal. We'll just take it out and see. And so he did. And, and I went back to get the staples out and he reads, he, he can't make this up. He reads the biopsy report, but wasn't listening. So it says, you know, uh, lymphoma, blah, 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 blah. And I said, can you back it up? <laughs> and can you, 
can, can you please uh, tell me what it is that you just said? I had I didn't know anything about lymphoma, so he basically threw me out and gave me uh, it, it said I don't do cancer, and so I immediately called MD Anderson and said, hey, can you guys see me? And they're like, yeah, send send the pathology reports, and within probably a week or two, I was down in Houston and. And I got staged and went through that whole process. And they, then they then they owned my lymphoma until COVID. And I couldn't get down to MD Anderson. And that's why now I go to Mayo. Okay. So do you think that ENT was reading the report for the first time in front of you? He was not only reading it for the first time, he wasn't listening to what he was reading. It was actually oh, a disaster. God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm so glad that you... I'm not glad you'd had the experience, but I'm glad that you had the wherewithal to go, oh, okay, <laughs> this is not, <laughs> it's good. And that you, um, that you knew that you needed a specialist and that you were able to go to MD Anderson again and, and had the means, the financial means to, to do so. Um, what type of lymphoma was it? Uh, uh, Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. In my particular version, it uh, it's not curable, so it just keeps coming back. So you just knock it down, and and then just keep knocking it down when it comes back. What type of treatment did you do that that first time you were diagnosed? Well, it's an interesting story. So they prescribed R chop for me after I got staged, and I turned now, it down. For people who don't know what and is I said that? It, I did, oh, it's 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 uh, it's a standard treatment, rituxan and a whole bunch of other ones that it causes you to lose your hair and make you it, it's a it's a brutal regimen as standard uh, for lymphoma. A chemo combination. Uh, back then. Yeah, a chemo combination, chemo cocktail. And, and I asked them, I, I, I knew I would lose my hair and was in sales and traveling at the time. And it's a great story. But I, I, I asked the team and it was a team. I said, no, I'm not going to do this. And they're like, why? And I told them why, and they want to lose my hair. Interesting. But uh, they're like, I said, you're MD Anderson, surely. <laughs> and with a smile, you, you, you can come up with a, a different plan. And they said, okay. So two hours later, I almost missed my flight back uh, here. But two hours later, they met with me and they said, look, there's, this is 2008, remember? They said, there's this, there's this thing called immunotherapy. You probably haven't heard of it. I'm like, I have not heard of it. Nobody had really till 2009. Right. And uh, so they're like, we can try this, which is basically the R of RCHOP, Rituxan or Rituximab, a Genentech product, and Leukine, which is uh, which is a largely loose leukemia. It was Bayer, now it's Teva, but it's a, uh, it's a drug that boosts your immune system, the white blood cells in particular. And they said, let's give it a try. And uh, if it works, it works. If not, go do our, well, do our job. Well, it worked and it worked until 2014. And uh, so my cancer didn't come back for five years, which is amazing. Okay, so you do immunotherapy before anyone's really done immunotherapy and works mm. for five years. Did you mm. think, even though they told you this was a type of lymphoma that would come back, did you think when you... We're getting close to that five-year mark. Did you think you were going to be in the clear? No, really, you didn't. No, yeah, no. I knew it was coming really? back. They were pretty, yeah, they were pretty clear. So they, so you know, they were thrilled I got five. So years. they set that expectation up. Mm -hmm. Were you going to MD Anderson every couple of months, once a year for scans? How was that working out? Hmm. Yeah, I was at that point. I was once a year. 
uh, in this particular case, when it came back in, in 2014, I called them to tell them because it was in between. It was before the year and that particular time. And, and so I said, look, it's back. And, you know, we need to I need to come in and just confirm it because you just kind of know. First of all, I could see it. It was uh, below my hip. So I could see the tumor. I'm pretty thin. So my, and they're like, OK. And so I, I went back. And, yeah, they, yeah, I could see it. How big yeah. was it? Yeah. That so. Oh, uh, it was probably the size of a walnut, but you know, I am pretty thin. So you could, it just happened to be sitting in a spot where I could see it through the skin. So, um, yeah, so they did a, did a biopsy and, and, uh, said, yeah, you're right. And let's do it again. So we went back through the same immunotherapy minus a leukine because that proven not to really make a big difference. And so I just, just stuck with the retoxin. And did that work? It worked. Yeah, it worked well. So, um, 2008, 2014, then I get to 2019 and it came back again. And so same, same thing. Called Where did it told come them. back that time? We went, uh, it, it came back, uh, it came back in different places. That one was picked up. It came up in my throat. So that one I actually missed. Um, I could, I could feel it in my throat. I could tell I was having a little difficulty swallowing. But uh, I I went on my one year uh, scan and they're like, you know, you have something in your throat. I'm like, I was wondering what that was. And uh, they're like, yeah. So had that taken out. Yeah. And we went through the thing again. So since it didn't occur to you that it was the lymphoma coming back, what did you think it was? Did you think you were having something issues with your esophagus? I mean, what, what did you think it was that you were having these? I don't know allergies. Uh, I didn't know. I was just like, you know, it, it wasn't that hard to swallow. I just thought, geez, <laughs> you know, and, uh, it wasn't dramatic enough for me to pick up the phone and call and, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty aware of my body. So having missed that one was a little bit concerning, but, uh, I didn't miss the next one. Actually, my wife caught the next one, uh, uh 2020, I got out of the shower and she's like, uh, look, I look same. It's, there it was. And, 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 and so she could see it uh, now it's back, back in my groin area. And I'm like, okay, we'll go back to MD Anderson. And MD Anderson says, yeah, no, you can't come back because you'll have to be here for two weeks before we let you oh, in the door. This COVID, is right. right. In the, this it. is right. July of, of 2020. So, um, there's a Mayo clinic, uh, in Jacksonville, right. Florida, four hours away. So, um, uh, called up got me right in and uh, they came, they took that thing out and so each biopsy so each time they are removing the tumor and then following mm -hmm. up with immunotherapy uh, uh, for the lymphoma they are removing the tumor except for one of the times they did a needle biopsy uh, uh, the one uh, the one in my groin that you could see they did the needle biopsy so they didn't need to go take it all the way out but but when it came back uh, at Mayo, they took the whole thing out. So yeah, but it's not just immunotherapy. So my last set was chemotherapy plus immunotherapy at Mayo because they have to cut the cancer smartens up. So they have to kind of get more aggressive on the treatment and they were super aggressive. So I got a new version of Rituxan, it's called Gaziva. And I got a, a drug called uh, Bendeca and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hardcore. Let's back up. I want to dig deeper into this most recent time, but can you tell people what some of the side effects of 
of the immunotherapy are when you just had this the single agent drug of the immunotherapy? Yeah, it's it's a little bit deceptive because you hear immunotherapy and you don't think there's going to be side effects, uh, but there are. And so the first side effect I had was I had a reaction to the rituxan in my first treatment about an hour in. An hour in? You know, hour in. Yeah, they 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 kind of drip it in slowly the first treatment just in case you're going to have a reaction. And I'm alarmed up and I'm I'm in a private room with plenty of attention because they're monitoring for a reaction and, and it, they turned it up and then I had a reaction and it was pretty ugly. So what was, was the reaction? It was pretty bad. It was, it went in anaphylaxis. <gasps> so it was, you know, difficulty breathing, you know, couldn't, you know, your eyes swell shot, your heart rate goes through the roof oh and gosh. they inject you with, they inject you straight into the, uh, to the IV and get you breathing and well, and yeah, it's pretty quick. They're amazing. I've, I've had a reaction. Had a reaction a couple times, but that was by far the worst. And what are some other side effects that are maybe more common? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So the, the, once you get through that, then they start managing on the treatments. They manage the side effects. But uh, I, I uh, was having um, with the rituxan fatigue was the biggest issue. Um, you know, often on skin issues. Um, I didn't have too much uh, nausea uh, just with the rituxan. Um, I managed that pretty well. It, it wasn't terrible. Uh, fatigue being the big one. You also have a called chemo brain, which is true. It's, it's, it's physiologically true. You know, some of the issues with uh, thinking and things like that, nothing dramatic, but just a little bit slow. And this last time that it came back, this is the fourth time the lymphomas come back. And, Correct. and during COVID and now you're being treated at, at the Mayo Clinic and now you've had this combination of immunotherapy with chemotherapy. Correct. What was that like? Yeah, it was brutal. So it, it, it took the side effects uh, uh, up dramatically. So uh, uh, not only weight gain, chemo brain, dramatic skin issues, uh, smell, uh, you know, just fatigue, uh, uh, nausea, uh, constipation, you know, it's just, the list just kept going on and on. But the one that good, the good side effect was my sense of smell this time was enhanced. Really? I have mm -hmm. never heard of Boy, that. I could tell when the neighbors five doors down, what they're having for breakfast. It was like a dog smell so much. So I called the plumbers over. This is during COVID. So I had to be very careful. Right. Right? And, and I called the plumbers where I'm like, the bathroom that I use that's by the office I'm in right now in the house, there's a smell and I, and I can't take it. I'm going to throw up. And so they had two plumbers come over and they're like, it doesn't smell. I'm like, guys, I literally can't even stand here and have this conversation with you. I call my daughter over. She lives nearby. She came over. She goes, dad, it doesn't smell. I'm like, guys, but it does. It smells to me. So they put some chemical in the drain and the smell went away. Did they ever find out what it was? That's what I was waiting for you to tell me. Like what the heck it was. No. <laughs> they just, they just poured poured a bunch of chemicals and the smell went away. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. So if you don't mind, I want to ask about your children because when this first started, they were quite young. So they have grown up knowing that you have a cancer that comes back, that returns. Mm -hmm. What has that been like for them and how old are they now? Yeah, so uh, it's a great question. My twins just turned 25, twin girls, twins? and my son's 28. Yeah, it's the best. Remarkable.
so yeah, it's been, I, I, they, they actually write about it in the book, which is really interesting because it actually was a good perspective for me to hear yeah. because it's true that all they remember is their dad having cancer. Right. So the twins were three and my son was five or six when I was diagnosed with the thyroid cancer. So they've been through this journey with me. I don't think they really clued in on it until uh, 2019 uh, and then probably not really, really clued in until 2020. They just, we didn't talk about it a lot. And, you know, I live life normally. Yeah, dad would go away and go get the stuff and he would handle it, but he didn't talk too much about it. But uh, 19 and 20 really kind of woke them up. And, 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 and I got to see that when they wrote about it in the book. Um, kind of eye-opener for me, but yeah, they, they, they handle it. It's a challenge to grow up with a dad with cancer. Yeah. They, they, uh, I think they're, they value my time. They value time with me a lot more. Sure. And so through that, we're really tight, our family. We're pretty tight knit, you know, and, and, and so. Where do they it's live? It's been a blessing. I've got uh, one that lives uh, a couple miles from here, one of the twins, uh, and one that lives in the other twins in Boston. And my son moves to Boston uh, in a couple in, a, in three weeks. I, w- I want to ask you about what, something you just said. You said the 2019-2020 really sort of brought it into focus for them. I can speculate as to why, but I want to hear from you why. Why for them did that? Because they were grown, almost grown. So, so why then? Yeah, I, I think they could, they, they could see, they could see it in me that this, you know, when you get to number four and number five, and at the same time, of number five, I've also got number six with the prostate stuff. I think they just recognize the seriousness of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they saw the change in my tone, the change in my wife's tone. Uh, you know, I t- was much more communicative with them about it as they became an adult. And, you know, I'm like, there is a cumulative impact of all the stuff that's being pumped into my body. And there's a cumulative impact of the cancer on my body, guys. So I'm trying to set expectations that, you know, it's 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 going to be a real challenge. And it's not necessarily a slam dunk that, you know, I get to beat it. They just saw me kind of waltz through this the first few times. And then when they saw it start to get harder, that mountain just gets harder to climb. It's with age and it's with the cumulative effect of it all. Uh, not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally. They're starting to see that yeah. um, much more than than when they were running around uh, being busy and not not really recognizing the seriousness of it. And you mentioned prostate cancer. When were you diagnosed with prostate cancer? Yeah, uh, July of 2020, just right ahead of uh, right ahead of lymphoma. And uh, yeah, frustrating. But uh, we just kind of put that on hold. It's it's not serious slow growing my particular version. So Mayo's taking good care of that. And so we'll just wait and see. That's the process. Are they just keeping track of your PSA? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had, uh, I've had the biopsy and, and yeah, they keep track of the PSA. So um, I should just get an apartment in Jacksonville. I'm there so often. Or at least a discount on Airbnb or something. Oh, I, I know. Uh, Mayo has this great, great hotel that's on campus. Really? It's a, it's a court, Courtyard Marriott, which is fantastic because you can walk to all your appointments and come back. And, and Mayo up in Jacksonville, they, they because I'm coming in town, same at MD Anderson, they bunch the appointments together. 
it's perfect to be able to walk back and forth. The same at MD Anderson, there's a, there's a hotel across the street too. That's really nice and definitely more convenient for patients and their mm -hmm. families. Mm -hmm. So most cancers aren't genetic, even though people think they are, but most aren't. But given the number of cancers you've had and the different kinds, have you gotten any genetic testing done? No, I haven't had genetic testing done, but I have a pretty good feel for what happened. So I've talked through this with the doctors. Uh, I, I worked in the Department of Nuclear Medicine when I was in college, and uh, it was pretty loosey-goosey on the, on, the, on the safety protocol. So it's likely I got uh, radiated uh, there. And so, really? uh, yeah, so when the radiation time-wise, this like was, 80s, oh, this is, 90s? yeah, this is in the, yeah, in the eighties. Uh, yeah. So, uh, that's, that's the most likely, uh, reason I got the thyroid cancer was exposure to radiations. And, and, and I, yeah, that would be, that's legitimately true. I got, I definitely got exposed. And so then the treatment for the lymph for the, for the thyroid cancer is radiation treatment which is the pill radiation treatment, not the beam radiation. Right. And so it's not, it's not, it's definitely likely that the lymphoma uh, is a result of the radiation treatment that I received for the thyroid. So and we'll never know, but so we're, the reason we're not dialing in on the genetic piece is we do believe largely that it's environmental. Okay. Well, I'm uh, environmental for the thyroid. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that for your children. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're pretty relaxed with that because I've gone through this with them many times. What has been your worst moment in all of it? Yeah, the worst moment really was uh, my first lymphoma treatment, uh, 2008, when I had the reaction. Because up until then, I was kind of naive about the, the, the stakes that we were playing for. But that reaction was so severe that it really woke me up. To the fact that uh, you know we're playing for keeps, and that uh, you know it's much more serious than I anticipated. I went to that treatment with my work computer, and I thought I was going to work. <laughs> oh God! I mean, no. I was I was I was totally naive. Oh God! <laughs> I know. I'm like, what? You're putting me in a in a hospital bed? I'm like, how am I going to work? Let alone all the medications I was on. Was your wife there when that happened? Yeah. Uh, Hilariously, uh, she had walked out of the hospital to get a good signal to call people and say, hey, the first hour was going really well. And so uh, she came back and it was all over. It was all done. By then I was sedated. They turned off the, the treatment and uh, the room was dark and I was crying. Oh, gosh. I don't know if that was a blessing for her. Maybe it was. Yeah, I think I think it was a blessing because it was. Uh, it was yeah, it was, was not pretty. And what has been your best moment? Yeah, I've had a lot of best moments. Every time I'm in remission, you know, that's a definite booyah. I'd say... <laughs> okay, I can't remember the, the last time I've heard anyone say that. I love it. <laughs> oh, I'm all, about, I'm all about the booyah. And uh, the best, best moment was, was last March of 2021, March 3rd, where I got to ring the bell at, at, at Mayo. Oh, wow. That's cool. And I wasn't going to ring it. I wasn't going to ring it. And they're like, why? And I'm like, because there's all these patients that are around that some might not get to ring the bell. And she goes, Bill, you're, you're, you're ringing the bell for us, the, the staff. We want to hear it. And by the way, that bell will give them hope, the ones that are in the rooms. And I'm like, okay. And I did. And it was magical. Yeah. You're, God, you're going to make me cry because, yeah, it gives people hope mm. because a lot of people don't get to ring that bell. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I'm really, really glad you did. Oh my gosh, that's just like totally gonna make me cry. All right, Bill, what is one thing you wish you had known at the very beginning of your cancer journey? And and let's go all the way back, 2002, thyroid cancer. Yeah, own your journey. You have to own it yourself. And that's why I wrote the book, because I want people to learn from my mistakes, but that was my big mistake. And it still may cost me my life, right? Which is, you know, did I really need that radiation? from the thyroid cancer initially. That's debatable, right? Uh, So own it and don't let your medical care team dictate it. Know it, challenge it, study it, learn it, and advocate for yourself. Let me ask you this, just a follow-up. Was surgery ever on the table? Because I know for me, initially, they were just going to remove my thyroid through surgery. You know, radiation wasn't even on the table because of my age, because of infertility, you know, it wasn't even an issue. But because at that point, my Graves disease had gone on for so long, Mm -hmm. I had serious heart issues Mm -hmm. and they were concerned I wouldn't survive surgery. Mm -hmm. So after I signed, you know, all these forms saying I would probably be infertile, I agreed to radiation, they did the radiation. So was surgery ever discussed? Yeah, I, 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 they took it out first. I had a four and a half hour surgery uh, to remove it before we did the radiation for the thyroid. They did both, mm-hmm. they do, even though it had not metastasized. Mm-hmm. So, and spread. Yeah. I know. Wow. That was my big lesson. Wow. But mm-hmm. you owned it the second time, mm-hmm. right? You oh, did. yeah, I, I for sure. It was, yeah. uh, yes, very much so. It made me angry. And you know what? Anger can be a really good emotion to have. Mm. That's what I tell people, because if you're angry, you're not in denial. Mm -hmm. Great, great, great point. Yeah. So, Bill, if you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why? Yeah, I would say I'd shift the focus a little bit to preventing people from getting sick versus trying to get them better. So lean on health and wellness uh, versus how to heal people that are sick. So if you can prevent people from getting sick, then that's gonna solve a lot of problems. So my point being, let's focus on what we can do to help people live a healthier, active lifestyle. What that means, smoking less, drinking less, eating less red meat, you know, uh, exercising, that we can make a dramatic improvement to the healthcare system with fewer people getting sick. Okay, I'm gonna dig down. I'm gonna dig deep on this one. I have to mm-hmm. because I I completely agree with you. But how do you get people to do that? How do you motivate people, especially like a hill a hill that I am totally willing to die on and that I have mm-hmm. been crucified for on on social media multiple times is we live in an era where we can't even talk about obesity because mm-hmm. it's body positivity, mm-hmm. and yet obesity is linked to 13 different kinds of cancer. Mm-hmm. So how do we motivate people to do all the things that you just talked about? How? Uh, Great question. So it's gonna have to start with education, right? It's gonna have to start, uh, it's gonna have to start young, right? Uh, So we've got to weave it into the curriculum in the schools uh, is one thing. And then when you look at what, this this is a great question, but when you you look at what what can the government do to help in addition to putting it into the curriculum? Yeah, Yeah. you you, you can tax cigarettes higher, right? Uh, to see if you can reduce consumption, but, uh, and then use those dollars, you know, for cessation programs to get people smoking less, right? It's kind of a win-win. 
It, it, it can go, I'm not saying taxes are the answer for everything, but cigarettes would be a logical one, right? You have right. big gasoline taxes to pay for new roads. Why not cigarette taxes, which are already pretty big, but make them bigger for healthcare programs to get people to stop smoking would be pretty good. But it has to start with education because if they don't know that obesity leads to 13 different types of cancer, then maybe they don't feel the pain from being obese until they get one of those 13 types of cancer. So right. let's, let's teach them that fruit and vegetables are actually good for, you know, to help reduce colon cancer and less red meat is good for multiple things and on the cancer side and, and, and being active, even if it's 30 minutes a day of just, of just walking, what a difference that yeah. makes. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, there's no easy answer, but it, it has to start with, with an understanding that the best way to reduce healthcare costs is to keep people healthy. Yeah. The ROI is dramatic. Yeah. Wow. Oh gosh, such a good answer. I, I could not agree more. Bill, are you ready for the Thriver Rapid Fire questions? Oh, I am very ready. <laughs> I feel like you're very prepared. So. I am. <laughs> okay, here we go. Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach. I live right by one. So it's uh, seven miles to one of the most beautiful beaches uh, in the world. So definitely a beach. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? It's got to be the Beach Boys. Oh, me too. Yeah. The Beach Boys. What is one word that best describes you? Uh, passionate. And before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Dancing Queen by ABBA, because that's what I love to dance with with my kids in the kitchen. Oh my gosh, I adore you because <laughs> I tell people like I ha I have like sort of the playlist for my funeral mm -hmm. and people make fun of me because Abba's on the playlist. I'm like, what is wrong with Abba? Uh -huh. Abba is fantastic. Oh, if you're okay. not if you're not moving, listening to Abba, if you're not happy listening to Abba, oh, I know. Best. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> they get a bad rap. They really do. All right, what is the last meal you want to eat? Chick fil A. Really? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. I love it so much. Best fries ever. Those waffle fries are the best. Yes. The grilled chicken sandwich. Oh, so good. Matter of fact, I might have to have that for lunch today. <laughs> All right. What about the last person or people you want to see? Yeah, it'll be my wife and my three kids. Uh, we'll be all together. And the last words you will speak. Thanks. I mean, thanks for the, uh, for the great run. Couldn't have had such a great life without them. And uh, so, yeah, thanks. Aww. And aside from Cancer U, what's one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And please tell people how they can get in touch with you and find your book. Yeah, so clearly uh, the book, and I wrote the book for uh, a real reason, uh, which is to turn, as you said at the beginning, turn my pain into purpose, but it's the truth. It was really hard to write. So you're like, it's a triggering moment every time I sat down to write this book to try to relive what I learned as I went through the journey. So I uh, highly recommend you know my book because it will make a difference and it will take you through the very beginning to the very end of the journey and also kind of some bonus things at the end. I call it the lanyap, which is a French Cajun word for bonus, something unexpected that I've kind of learned through through my experiences. So uh, clearly that I've, I've, uh, for my particular cancer, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society has been fantastic. Uh, I lean in on your healthcare providers, MD Anderson and Mayo both have been great about teaching me as I go through this journey. And what is the title of the book and where can they find it? Yeah, it's called Up for the Fight. 
how to advocate for yourself as you battle cancer from a five-time survivor. And if you're in the U.S., you can buy it on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Target.com. If you're in other parts of the world, it's uh, Amazon.com, uh, everywhere else in the world, as well as independent uh, retailers. Okay, so I just got a peek at it. It's not even out yet. I mean, it will be by the time the podcast goes out, but it's it's not it's pre-order, right? Yeah, it's pre-order now. I, I have been giving the book to some of my friends that have been going through the cancer battle, and and and, and I needed that because it gave me some confirmation that it's going to make a difference uh, because it is and it will. Beautiful cover, by the way. Cover matters more than people realize gorgeous. Well, I love it. And the name is authentic. The name came, I had a, I had a, uh, I basically had an emotional breakdown uh, September 17th, 2020, when I came out of uh, surgery for lymphoma number five at Mayo by myself, because uh, you couldn't have a guest in the recovery room. And, and I was crying and, and the nurse Jen says, what's wrong? And I said, I I'm not sure I'm up for the fight. And she's like, what? I said, look, you know, fifth time, I know what's coming. You know, I've lived a great life. I'm not sure I'm up for the fight. And and that's where the name of the book came. We talked through it for an hour. The pastor came in and we worked through all that. And, and I was up for the fight. But, uh, you know, one of the great benefits of that conversation was at the end, uh, the pastor said, you should write a book about this. And I said, OK, I will. And so I did. And um, so trying to make a difference. Oh. Bill. Well, thank you so much. We will put the links to that in the show notes and in the workshop notes. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Oh, well, thank you. And thanks for what you're doing. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.